how he was able to quit his job that he realized was not for him. Why life is one big science experiment. Why you have to press pause and step back. How to avoid regret. How to properly plan out your day and your week. The importance of visualization and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 406 with performance coach and chief encouragement officer at Compete Every Day, Jake Thompson. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, Nick Carrier. I believe the path to getting closer to the best version of yourself is different for all of us, but I really believe it follows the same framework. You see, our lives have six different areas, our health, personal, career, financial, spiritual, and relational. And in order to get closer to the best version of ourselves, we want to be managing all of those areas at all times, but also be spiking in one of them. If you want to learn how to do this and how to set quarterly goals, then check out my free Best You Planner and video course at nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Again, nickcarrier.com slash best journey. Today, you guys are going to get fired up listening to the one and only Jake Thompson. Jake is a performance coach and chief encouragement officer at his company and brand, Compete Every Day. And he helps ambitious people build the habits, focus, and mindset to gain their competitive advantage in life. He talks about how he went from one dream to the next, about how he went from selling t-shirts behind a CrossFit gym to being a sought-after speaker. He talks about how to overcome overwhelm, and he talks about how to not settle and how to be able to take a risk on yourself. I hope you guys are ready. This one is going to be fire. But before diving into the episode, be sure you're subscribing to the Best You Podcast on the Apple Podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and be sure you share this episode with a friend while you're listening. All you have to do is send them to nickcarrier.com slash podcast. And if you enjoy the show, then I'd love it if you leave a five-star rating and review. But without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Jake Thompson. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. I am really excited to be joined by the one and only Jake Thompson. Uh, Jake, just want to start off by saying thanks so much for joining me here today. You bet, Nick. Thanks for having me on the show. Excited to hang out and jam with you here this afternoon. No doubt. I hope every single one of you listening has been competing your ass off today because uh, Jake's Compete Every Day brand, company, book, podcast is one that you're definitely going to want to go learn more about and something that you're going to get more insight into today. But kind of the way I want to start today, Jake, is get a little bit more insight onto kind of you and a little bit of your career trajectory and how you kind of got to this point. So I know that you went to TCU kind of back in the uh, the mid-2000s, and you, you studied advertising and public relations, and then you got your MBA in kind of sports and entertainment business, and then you had some kind of marketing jobs after that. But talk to us about kind of how you realized or transitioned from some of those roles into wanting to kind of form your own business and form this brand called Compete Every Day. Yeah. So probably I would say the itch to running my own show at some point, owning a business, building something goes back to like when I was a kid, I always had this kind of entrepreneurial bug. My dad had a small chain of gas stations in our little bitty town of like 13,000 people in Texas. I used to spend summers working in the gas station, but I always laugh that I, my first, like trying to make money job, I was like, maybe six, seven, maybe I, I might've been younger, but I went door to door in my neighborhood selling Christmas cookies in April. And my mom found out about it and was like, you're returning everybody's money. Do not do that. Like, do not sell like four month old cookies. Like she's so embarrassed about it. But yeah, so I, I had that itch at some point I wanted to do that. But as I got older, 
I thought I wanted to be Jerry Maguire. Like I wanted to go the sports agent route. I wanted to spend, you know, college and grad school. Like that was my whole focus. How do I get into the agency world? Ended up interning, working with a group for a couple of years. It was not what I thought it was going to be. It was not the lifestyle I wanted. So that I got out, it was 2008. I just finished getting my MBA. We all can remember what the economy was like then. It was terrible. Could not get a job. I couldn't even get Best Buy to hire me for holiday hours because I have this very non-traditional work experience in the sports world. And then I have an MBA. So at that time, in order to pay bills, I just started freelancing consulting. I would just call up people on my network, say, hey, here's what I do well. Would love to be able to give your business a second set of eyes. I'll help you write a strategy, kind of do it for free. Let me show some value and then go from there. Built a consulting practice for a few years, working with a variety of different companies on marketing strategy, branding, a lot of kind of content marketing in the early days. And I was super unfulfilled with it. I mean, I've been doing it for a couple of years. Uh, We'll say from eight, I really didn't shut down the practice till 14. But after about two years into it, I realized like there's something off. Like I am making great money. I am buying cars and toys and getting to go out on the weekends and and do all the things you want to do as a young single guy living in a big city. But there was a void missing. and, And I realized what I was doing more than anything was building this giant sandcastle. And we all know what happens to sandcastles when the tide comes. It doesn't matter how great it is, it's going to get washed away. And I was seeing my life through that lens and realizing I was doing nothing to impact others, nothing to build something that would go beyond my name, nothing really to make a difference. And so I started toying with this idea of what would it look like if you showed up and competed every day, not worrying about what anyone else was doing, but about you versus you. How could you show up and strive to reach your full potential? What what would it look like more than anything if you stopped settling for jobs you hated, relationships that sucked, people that drained you, and really started committing to chasing your best you more than anything? And so I spent eight to nine months toying with this idea, wrestling with how to make it work from a business standpoint. And ultimately, the idea of competing every day came out and, and this mentality of, okay, this is the brand name, compete every day. What are we going to do with it? Eventually, I settled on t-shirts. My best friend is a big fan of the t-shirt company, Life is Good. If you've ever traveled, you've seen them in airports all over the place. They do well over $100 million a year, ironically based on a sick figure guy named Jake. And I saw it. And at that point, I was like, nothing else I've tried has worked. Why not? And so I put some money into a couple of boxes of t-shirts and tank tops that just said the CED Compete Everyday Message started selling them out of the trunk of my car behind a CrossFit gym in Dallas, nonetheless, back in May of 2011. And so we've been at it almost 11 years, even though the business has changed. It was really just that ultimate desire to say, like, what I'm doing is not fulfilling me and it's not doing anything to build either a legacy or an impact on others. And so that's really what started chasing me down the path to ultimately doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. Uh, I want to kind of rewind a little bit back to you thought you wanted to be Jerry Maguire and then you realized maybe it wasn't all what you dreamt it would be or you thought it might be. What were the next steps for you in moving out of that job and pivoting into something new? Because I think a lot of people, you know, are in that situation where maybe they think that this is the goal that I have and then you start pursuing it and you realize that that's not what I actually want. And so you need to make a pivot, but a lot of people don't have the wherewithal to know exactly how to pivot or or what that looks like, whether to leave their job now or to figure out what the next job is before I go. Talk to us a little bit about what that looks like for you. Yeah. So really, I would say there's two big pieces to that. The first is from a mental side. 
I mean, I thought this was my dream career. I told myself it was my dream career. This is what I was chasing. Everybody knew it. And then I got into it and I realized it wasn't. So I had to separate who I was from that goal and understand that me as a person, it doesn't make me a failure that I went down this path and it didn't work out and it wasn't what I thought it was. And that's okay because you can pivot. And if you can, if you can remember, if you can remember, I'm, I'm fascinated by this idea because I, I think this is super important because I think one of the biggest mistakes that so many of us make and have the potential to make is chasing down a goal because what we perceive it to be and we spend so much time chasing that goal and then all of a sudden we get there and we realize there's nothing that we thought it was going to be. And so what was it that allowed you to realize that this is not what I want it to be? Like, if you can remember, was it not for you? I could. So it's funny you say that because I struggled with destination disease as I say it for years. I'm, everything's going to be good once I get there, financially, career, whatever. So in relation to the agency world, it was honestly the emotional roller coaster of the business and my emotional immaturity at the time and mental immaturity, which I laugh now because that's one of the reasons I'm so fascinated from a mental performance standpoint and how do we be high performers is because in that moment, you know, as an agent, you start out the year, you're recruiting, we'll say 10 to 12 guys and athletes over the course of six to eight months. You may get rid of four, four may get rid of you. You have four at the end. You're hoping to sit down with three and sign one. And I laugh at a very basic sense. It's like being on The Bachelor or Bachelorette show because you're building relationships with guys. You're getting to know them, their families, their girlfriends, their dreams, their goals. And the breaking point for me really was the last year. And in a a matter of not even 24 hours, I had a meeting in Dallas, Fort Worth with a kid. Guy had gotten to know really well because we went to school together. And I had to tell him, hey, listen, you're not going to get drafted. There's not a scout that says you're going to get drafted. You're going to have to make it as a free agent. Now, here's what we can do to help you and support you. But like, I want to be realistic. Here's the expectations. And it just crushed this guy's soul that like he wasn't going to have a shot. And and he ended up signing as a free agent and it just didn't work out in the league, which is what the scouts projected. I drove, let's see, that meeting was at six o'clock at night. I drove eight hours overnight down into Louisiana to have a meeting with another guy who I'd gotten to know who was starting to just really shoot up the depth charts or all the scouting charts. And we sat down and had a great conversation for an hour. And the agent I was working with was there because he had to officially sign the guy. I had to get certified by the NFL. I was going through the process. And when the agent got up and went to the bathroom, the player looked at me and said, Jake, I love you. I would sign with you if I could, but I don't trust the guy you work for. And I'd already kind of had inklings like this was not the best guy. I just started seeing signs that he played a lot in the gray area. And and obviously college sports now, it's kind of the wild, wild west. But I realized that and like crushed me on on NFL draft day, watching him get drafted. It was great for him, but like for me and seeing that part missed. And I I realized like emotionally and mature mentally, like I'm not ready for this roller coaster. I can't control my controllables and maintain equilibrium because I'm getting so invested with these guys. And, And it's like breaking up and dating all the time. And so I knew right then and there, the business relationship I was in was not one I wanted to be a part of long-term. And then where I was getting into, I was not prepared for it. And so when I got out, it was kind of like, what the heck are you going to do? You've got an MBA, you've got work experience. I'm confident I can find and figure something out, but nobody was hiring in the recession. 
And so for me, I had spent during grad school teaching myself and refining basic graphic design skills. Social media was super new. And so I was trying to connect with anybody that knew what was going on in social and just learn and absorb. And that's one of the skills I think I've I've been fortunate to have is I'm quick, a quick learner in terms of I pick up something and then teach it. And so that's obviously why I do the work I do now is absorbing information and finding a way to paint it in a new light in a teaching manner. But at the time, I didn't know. I was just experimenting and trying everything of here's what you need. Let me help you with that. Let me see if I can add value. And when I could, I would obviously get a paid contract or a referral off of it. I'm never one that says burn the boats. Like if you want to make a change, I'm never one because you have to factor in everything. If you have a family, what your financial situation is, do you have a rainy day fund? Like all of these other factors that some people are like burn the boat and go. I always think the best businesses are built really out of a side hustle. And sometimes it's okay that the side hustle stays a side hustle because it gives you a passion outlet for things that you enjoy doing that may be on the side of your job that pays you well. But for a lot of people, if they have that passion project and they start it on the side and they start small and then it takes off, well, then you can build your rainy day fund and make the transition out of what you're doing that you may not like into that once it's stabilized. And so the best way I say to look at it is kind of the way I view life now. Life is not necessarily a a sum win-lose like we always tend to think. It's like you're either a winner or you're a failure. What I see life as is a giant science experiment. If you think about a scientist, they make a hypothesis. I think I can do this. I think this works. They test it. When it does or it doesn't work, they make notes. What worked, what didn't. Let me change my hypothesis and try something else. They don't beat themselves up. They don't attach a failure to their identity. They're constantly testing and tweaking to figure out what works best with their hypothesis. And the sooner we go through that from a career standpoint, a life standpoint, the more we can detach our identity from what we do and start focusing on the values and who we are. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, and I appreciate you digging back into the archives and figuring out and really painting a clear picture as to why it is that you left. And I think a couple of things that you touched on, especially there at the end when it comes to whether or not to burn the boat, as you said, if you do burn the boat, then sometimes when you go head into something, you think it's going to be great, but then all of a sudden, once you're head into it, you start to realize all these things that you didn't realize in the first place. And then you're back in maybe the same mess or even a, a worse mess than you were in the first place. So I think one reason why maybe you don't burn the boat, given the a million different factors that there could be other reasons why you don't burn the boat. But one is you don't have the insight that you're going to have when you actually do. And then two is if you try to do something too quickly, then you're, you might grow too quickly to the point where you can't sustain it. And so you don't have processes and systems in place to be able to sustain the level of fast growth if you are so lucky to have that kind of fast growth. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on the flip side of that, you can put yourself in a financial position where you don't have the right. revenue and income coming in. And that adds so much stress and pressure to your situation that it removes a probably your ability to be creative and the opportunity to play the long game because you stop worrying about playing the long game and building something that lasts and start looking for a quick buck because you're trying to stop the financial bleeding. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. The, I've, I think it's interesting to see how different people react under financial pressure because I think it can be one way or the other. I think it can be some people under financial pressure have a great sense of urgency and, they become 10 times more creative because I, I feel like I've experienced that to a certain extent is 
under financial pressure early on, you become super creative and you start have a huge sense of urgency. But then on the other side of things, you might do things that you wouldn't have other otherwise have done or say things that you wouldn't have otherwise have said or not prioritize certain things in your life at the same time. And so different people react different ways. And it's just kind of interesting to see how people play that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit more than about you started with the t-shirts and then you started to grow a little bit. At what point then were you like, this is going to be a thing and this is going to be going to be a whole lot more than just t-shirts? Yeah. So I knew back in like 2013 that this was going to be a thing just from seeing how people responded to the apparel. But mm-hmm. at that time, I was like, we're growing a clothing company. Like, this is our focus. We're going to be a motivational and empowering brand. 2015 rolls around, and I started getting asked by companies to go speak. Come talk to our team about what it means to compete every day. I didn't think anything about it. I'm not aware of the speaking industry other than, you know, the big, big names and the old school Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and that kind of stuff. And so I just show up and do it. And there's one particular incident that I'm at in Houston at Texas Children's Hospital. Linda Alder, the VP, they they bought shirts for their whole HR team. They brought me down to come speak. I had no idea what I was doing, but I'm just like, here's some lessons I've learned over the years. Here's why I think this is so important and, and this mentality matters. Afterwards, she pulled me aside and said, you need to go do more of this. Like there's something here and I think you need to chase it. I kind of filed it away and just was focused on how do we grow as a company on the apparel side. And it's funny, later that year, we had stacked year after year after year, kept growing. And I sat down with our team, a couple of designers, my ops guy, and then Christine, who was kind of my number two. And I was like, what? Like we're growing, but I feel like we're not growing at a rate that some other competitors and groups in the space are. And I'm trying to figure out what we might be missing, where I'm overlooking something. And they laughed and they were like, listen, the we do a lot of the same things other groups do. What makes us different is the brand message and how you tell it. So you need to figure out how you go tell it more, whether that's videos, book, whatever, like you need to figure that out. And so we talked about kind of shifting the company, maybe toward more training and development at that time, online courses, looking at that. But but really, it just kind of stuck there. We never grew up because the apparel just kept growing. Late 20, mid to late 2016, I had an opportunity to go to an event and see a guy who works with speakers and he coaches and trains them. And I saw him doing his work and thought, this guy can coach. This guy's really good. If I'm going to do this, this is the the group I want to work with. At the same time, I was getting really worn out from our apparel business because we did expos. I was on the road Thursday or Friday to Sunday or Monday. Well, I was early in my relationship having met my wife. You know, when I'm traveling, she's off work. And it was like, you know, trying to coordinate. It was terrible. You're doing date nights, Tuesday, Wednesday. She's tired after work. I'm coming back. And so I realized from a life standpoint, this wasn't going to work long-term, this current setup. And so I went in all in on this event, hired their coach and their team and said, I think I want to figure this out. It was a large financial investment for me. So I knew like if I'm putting the money in, I got to figure out a way to make this work. 17 started shifting the whole company. I stuck to our mission of how do we help people essentially not settle, chase their full potential, but I started changing how we did it took my attention off of the apparel. The apparel part of the business dropped dramatically in 17 and 18. But I laughed that instead of hitting the rock bottom, it essentially hit a trampoline because in 19, everything took off. After two years of planting the seeds, building the speaking business, building that network, everything started to take off in 19, all in the right direction. And so it was the right play. But 
but that was it is I personally knew I didn't want to live my life going to fitness events and race expos and that on every weekend. I knew there was a better way to help change people's lives, empower them with this mentality. Speaking just became kind of that next option. I started just kind of podcasting so I could build storytelling and then went into started really speaking full-time in 18. Book came out in 2020 selfishly because I lost a lot of opportunities in 19 straight out because I didn't have a book as a speaker. So I said, cool, I'll see you next year. So dropped the book in 2020 and, and that's how things have continued to go and grow. But it stays just the one thing that's been consistent for us is the message. How do we continue to equip and empower ambitious people to strive for their full potential? And we know anything that we do and create has to reinforce that. If it doesn't, it's out the window. We want no part of it. Yeah. I think that's an awesome message to help people not settle. And I want to ask you kind of a more specific question about that in a second, but I want to dive back into how you were in a period of your life where you knew that your schedule on a regular basis was not how you wanted it to be moving forward. And I know so many people listening are go-getters and they're ambitious people. And so they put too much on their plate and they're overwhelmed with all the things that they have going on. And they stress about that and they're overwhelmed about that, but they don't necessarily take the time to step back and look at, okay, how can I make this different? They just kind of continue to live in and amidst the chaos. And so nothing ever changes. And that can sometimes go for a month, two months, a year, two years. And so what is your message to somebody who is overwhelmed because they're a go-getter, they're getting after, they want to get close to the best version of themselves. They do compete every single day. What's the message to somebody who is overwhelmed and is not happy with the way that their current week-to-week schedule plays out, how to take ownership of making a change in that. Yeah, I was very fortunate because of the pivotal life point I was at when I was meeting my wife and understanding Mm. if we're creating a life together, I have to be very intentional and cognizant of what we're going to build and what do we want to build and what do I want? And so that helped me and really forced me more than anything to step back. I was also at that point where I was exhausted and thinking, there's got to be a better way to do this. Being in some masterminds and groups, I was getting my awareness level raised dramatically of how other people build businesses and what they do. And so the way I'd known and coming from a small town, like my eyes were completely open to the opportunities that were out there. And so for anyone that's kind of stuck in that, the the hardest thing you're going to have to do is hit pause and step back because you're always going to feel like you have to be doing more, that you're not doing enough. And, And that is a mentality in high achievers. High achievers will be doing more than everybody else and they still believe they don't do enough. However, if you think about it, if you're running as hard and as fast as you can every single day, but you're not running at the right target, what good is it doing you? None. You can be the most efficient row team in the world, but you're not going to win unless you're rowing in the right direction. And so it's incredibly vital on an annual, a quarterly, I even say a monthly basis to just take time. It doesn't have to be an entire day. You can literally take a couple hours in an afternoon and say, what all am I doing? Does it align with where I want to go? Where do I want to be a year or two years from now and go from there? I mean, every year and kind of I do it right before Q4 because Q4 is a huge e-com time of year for us. But I sit down and analyze, okay, the next 12 months, kind of where do I want to be a year from now? Where do I want to be five years from now? And I can look at last year's and say, okay, how did we do? Where did we miss? And say, does that still align with where I want to be in a year from now, financially, physically, career-wise, hours on the weekly basis? 
And once you paint that in picture, once you take the time to identify where you want to go, then you can start working backwards and you don't have to know every single step. But what you have to do is know what's one thing if I did today would put me in a better position tomorrow. And usually the first one for all those people is identify where do you want to be in a year from now? If you could magically change your schedule, we'll say in five years, what would it look like? And I think for a lot of us, we we overestimate what we can get done in a year and we underestimate what we can get done in five to 10 years. And so if we can get out of the rat race, slow down long enough to see what's going on, see where we want to go, literally sitting down to write it down, it's going to help us go so much faster. It's, it's honestly a, almost similar to what we talked about before we went on air of me investing time today, having to train and develop a couple of new people on the team and Day didn't kind of go as a plan, but two hours now training someone to do a task that takes me eh, five to 10 minutes seems like a terrible trade-off until you look at it over the course of a year. And I'm trading two hours now to save 10 hours over the course of a year. It's no different than this. Taking an hour to two hours out of your month or out of your quarter and say, does this align is the first step and realize you don't have to change everything right now. But what if you change one little thing every single day over the next month? What would next month look like if you could start to maybe time block and then set aside additional windows to work on where you want to go or make those adjustments? Or if it is that side hustle, carving out 30 minutes every night, what would that stack up to? And the reason I think most of us fail to do that is we think, well, it's just 20 minutes, just 30 minutes. It's just one session. Like That's just not enough to change everything I want. And we fail to realize that the little things stack to create the change we desire. You know, aiming doesn't take that, you know, obviously it depends on what you're doing, but aiming doesn't have to take that long. No. Aiming, like you said, aiming and depends on how far out you're aiming. But so many people do just run around like a chicken with their head cut off. Like you said, running a thousand miles per hour, but it just might be in the wrong direction. And so they have to run 2000 miles per hour in the right direction to get back on track. And so I always say you got to spend time to dictate how you're going to spend your time so that you can maximize the intentionality behind how you spend your time. And I think that's so important beginning, like you, beginning with the end in mind, figuring out what it looks like for things to be different and then really getting clear on kind of charting out that plot. Yeah. Cause you now, can like, maximize what, the time if, if it's in the wrong direction, you can, but it's not helping you. Right. Exactly. Exactly. One of the things that you said your y'all's mission is to make people not settle. Is that what? It, uh, how do you get people to not settle? Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think that's so key. And you know, I actually played golf with somebody uh, a few days ago who told me they're getting ready to kind of retire and they stayed at the same company for 28 years. And I was like, dang, like you stayed there for 28 years. What was what was so great about it that made you stay there for 28 years? And he was like, well really wasn't that good. It was just, I had a good, it was good money and all these, all these, you know, reasons why they stayed. And I, I just felt pain for him because he, he felt, or the way that he just said it, you know, his whole body almost drooped while he was saying these things to me. And you could almost tell that he didn't almost realize that he regretted staying there for 28 years until he started to verbalize why he, there was no necessarily reason for him to stay there for 28 years, if you will. And so I was, I'm almost like, I wish I could go back in time and talk to this guy and give him this compete everyday message so that he wouldn't settle for that job. So let's give an example of that guy, instead of being there 28 years, let's say he's in year five and in this 
place where he's comfortable, but he doesn't really know, doesn't really know what to do next. What, what's the message to somebody like them to make sure that they don't wake up 23 years down the road regretful of staying in the same place? We'll be back to the interview in just a second. But first, I wanted to share a quick testimonial from a past participant of the 10-week transformation program. I started running the 10WT in the beginning of 2020 and I've had over 150 people on counting go through it and they've seen amazing results both inside and out. If you're inspired to join after listening to the testimonial, then go to nickcarrier.com to learn more. We'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but first, here's what they had to say. Hey, I'm Bo. The reason I joined the program was to kind of get on track. I just turned 40, hard COVID year, right? I just started a lot of bad uh, habits. I was working out some, but really uh, COVID had affected that. And so I just needed a direction and I didn't really have one. So this really gave me, well, I've done the program two times. I lost about 20 pounds. I've got um, just much healthier habits. Nick's program gives you a platform to change. Also kind of gives you a way going forward, you know, so you can really keep those habits and really build a lifestyle and a healthy life around it for the long term. You should join Next, yeah, you know, you think about it from a, a big picture standpoint and regret is always a heavier burden than failure. The people yeah. at the end of a career and stuff, they can always be like, yeah, I tried it, didn't work out, sucked, had some tough times, but it's always lighter than that conversation. The what if, what if I'd tried something else? What if I'd gone? And I always go back to it and it's really hard for us in the moment right now to, to think about the regret and the what if. And so we naturally in, inclination is to go into what's comfortable and what's safe. And we fail to realize that the safe route is usually the most dangerous route in the long run. So if I'm talking to that individual, it goes back to what we just talked about. Have you ever taken 30 minutes to an hour and just sat back and thought about what you really like to do? Like not only like, yeah, you love to play golf, but what do you love to do with life? Like, what are your strengths? What are your skill sets? Do you like to be challenged? Have you been challenged? Like, where have you ever been in a place where the company is constantly makes you a little uncomfortable in a good way because you're growing and developing as a person and you can look back over a year, two years, three years and say, man, we did that. I can't believe we did that. Look how much better I got at that. Would you rather have that or would you rather coast knowing it may be safer, but at the end the last 20, 30 years of life is going to suck far more because you're going to think, oh, how much more could I have achieved? And so with them, it's, it's take a step back and reflect. I think we get so busy in life of doing anything, making friends we lack intentionality with. We just hang out with people that are near us instead of being intentional to surround ourselves with, with people that challenge us and help us grow. I think we do it in our career a lot of sense. Right now, there's more than ever, there's opportunity because there's a ton of companies right now that are trying to get help in every industry that are craving people. So if you've ever thought about switching industries and changing, taking a step back, going into a lower position to change jobs, change industries, change careers could be the best thing for you in a 20-year picture. And so it all starts though, is how are we taking the time to step back, to reflect, to ask ourselves the questions that most of us never take the time to ask? And then plot the picture. Five years from now, what do you want to be doing? Oh, you're in medical sales now, but you want to start a small business helping you know, single dads? Cool. Five years from now, what does that business look like? Okay. So if you did that in five years, give me something that you'd have to do within three years to do that. And then let's work back to one. 
and then six months. And then what's one thing maybe you could start today that might move you down that direction? So then it doesn't become this, oh my God, I got to change everything tonight. I got to change careers tomorrow. It's let's paint the picture of where you want to go and let's start identifying little things. And it could be something as simple today as saying, hey, these are my skills. I've never really used them. Let me look and see what career opportunities this might be a really good fit for and, and explore, at least have conversations without leaving my current job now and seeing if this may be something I want to do. Mm. Yeah. You know, we've talked a lot today about reflection and trying to paint what that end picture looks like. So talk to us a little bit practically about what your reflection process looks like. You know, you touched on it for a second about how you look at at the end of the year, you look on a quarterly basis, on a monthly basis. So talk to us a little bit more practically uh, in your schedule, how much time you commit, both from a kind of your business standpoint and from a personal standpoint, if you separate the two when it comes to reflecting and, and envisioning out the future. Yeah. So reflection for me is a huge piece because competition is just like life. You're never going to be perfect. You're going to have days you lose. If you're going to go through the disappointment and pain of losing, of a failure, of a setback, you might as well step back and learn something from it. Even if it wasn't your fault, you got into the situation, it happened. If you can learn something from it, it doesn't make it a complete waste. And so for me, stepping back in reflection is huge. I actually build it into my daily and weekly practice. So every day I take the last 10 minutes of the day and I'll look back on the day I just had. Did I get my three priorities done that I wanted to? Did I manage my time effectively that way I needed to? If I didn't, why didn't I? What did I learn? And then I set my priorities for tomorrow. Because the worst thing we can do is set tomorrow's priorities the morning of. Doing it the night before prevents us from getting into a reaction mode all day. So every day I'm doing that standpoint to be at my best the next morning. And so when I start the next day, I'm already aware, okay, this tripped me up yesterday. How am I going to overcome it today? What are my priorities? Let's go. I don't even have to think about them. I can go into attack mode. At the end of every week, usually Friday afternoon, I do an activity called Start, Stop, Continue. And I picked this up from my mental performance coach. And it's every Friday afternoon, looking back at the last week. What's one activity I did not do that I have to start doing? What's one thing I did this week I have to stop doing? And what's something I did well this week I should continue doing? And this is really a mix of personal and professional. So starting could be, hey, I've got to start scheduling my workouts first thing in the morning because anytime I try to get them in the afternoon, I don't get them. Cool. What I got to stop doing, I got to stop just endlessly scrolling social media at lunch. I got to be intentional about when I get on and when I get off and how I'm using the platform. Continue. What did I do? Well, I was locked in and present with every one of my meetings with my team members and with other people this week. I got to continue being where my feet are. And so every week I just jot those down in a little notepad so that I can go back and look at it. And if there becomes a habit where two, three, four weeks in a row or four out of five or six weeks, I'm having the same thing stop that I keep showing up, then there's something else going on in terms of habits that I've got to adjust and change. Most of us don't take the time to reflect back to realize where those pitfalls and challenges are coming up. And if we don't know where they are, we can't address them. So every day it's a recap review and setting the agenda for tomorrow. And then every week it's a look back to say, what did I do well? What do I need to start doing? And what I need to stop doing? Mm, I like that. Start, stop, continue. I think that's so critical. And a lot of people will be able to easily come up with plenty of things in their head, but until you write it out on paper, 
it's not going to become nearly as real, especially with the stop doing it stuff. Like, you know, everybody can come up with things that they should stop doing if they went back and looked at what they, how they spent their time during the week. So I, I really like that exercise. Yeah. You think about it, how many things are going on in our head on a given basis? It's nonstop from trying to remember what we need to do to advertisements hitting us up to music on the right. Like there's a million things going on. And a lot of times we have a setback, we have a bad habit, we do something and we jot in our head, Ooh, I need to do better next time. And then we forget because we have so much else going on. But when we write it down, we start to become more aware of it. And then when we write it down two or three, four times in a row, we're really aware of it and can start saying, okay, this is a problem. What are my options on how to overcome it? And then you can start identifying those solutions instead of doing it again and thinking, crap, I got to fix that next time. And then you start to beat yourself up internally and don't find a solution for it. Yeah, that's key. You got to write it down. I think you need a central location to put it down to. A lot of people might just have a bunch of sticky notes all everywhere and then they'd see it a year later and they're like, what does that even mean? Or I, God, man, I wish I did that. So having a central location where you put the, down these sorts of things, I think is, is really, really critical. One of the things that I uh, saw is that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, but did you recently get like a mental performance mastery certification? I did. Yeah. I went through Brian Kane. He's probably one of the, if not the top mental performance guy, uh, has a certification program. I wanted to go through it because I'm, I'm really familiar with a lot of the work already, obviously being in a high performance. Um, but I'm always looking for any kind of educational edge in terms of how can I continue to help my clients? How can I continue to learn things that I can look at through a new lens? And so, yeah, I went through Brian's program over wow, it's May now. So I got it done in the last, I guess, last month is when I finally went through and got the certification. Nice. Congrats. Thanks. Well, what do you feel like is maybe one of the biggest things that you learned that you're going to either try to personally implement or that you saw that it's definitely one of the biggest things that you want to start to help other people with and coach other people on? Yeah, I think one of the biggest helps of that program is probably more opportunities and ways to effectively use visualization. Like when Mm -hmm. I grew up, visualization was like woo-woo. And then it was the idea of only painting the perfect picture. Well, rarely does anything go perfect. So how are you actually walking through imperfect situations and how you're going to respond to them? And so Brian and them, they do a great work. And a lot of people do a great work in sports. Okay, you get up, you get the hit. Ooh, you strike out. How do you respond? In a corporate sense, I've had the opportunity to use it with one of my clients because they do a lot of outbound cold calling and you get cussed out on these calls and you have people that waste your time on these calls. And a lot of the younger guys, it's hard for them to reset. And so us being able to one visually work through some of that and help them, okay, what are, what are things you can do before the call to prepare for it before the day to prepare for it? And then activities on the back end of how do you reset and refocus after every call so that you essentially treat every call as it is its own life. Last call doesn't determine this call. This call will not determine next call. You are the only person that will control each and every situation the same. So how do you keep showing up as if it's got its own life? Wow. That's great. And it's actually funny that you bring that up because actually a long time ago, I'm, this is going to, we're episode, over episode 400 now. And I think episode 30 something, I had a lady on named Molly Fletcher, who actually used to be a sport, a sports agent. Yeah. Uh, so I had Molly on a long time ago and you know, she were, she used to be a sports agent for some golfers and she was a sports agent for Billy Horschel. And Billy told her that the biggest piece of advice that he got from Tiger Woods is to visualize like failure is to visualize missing a putt 
and then figuring out how you're going to respond to it. And I think that's definitely something that it's not necessarily communicated all that often to, to visualize failure because, you know, people talk about visualizing success. And sometimes if you visualize failure, people think they might manifest failure into their life. But I think it's really important because then when it happens, it's like you've seen it before and you know the steps that you're going to take in order to respond to it. So I think that was super insightful and I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, you bet. You know, you think about it, a lot of people have the pushback of like, oh, if you visualize it or if you say it out loud, you're, you're willing it into the universe. And in reality, what you're doing is creating your contingency plan. Any mm. military group that goes into a mission plans for everything to go wrong so that they know immediately how they're going to respond. So then if something does happen that wasn't according to plan, it's par for the course because they've already figured out how they're going to adjust. We have to do the same thing in any kind of performance, sales presentation, podcast interviews, keynote talks, playing a basketball game, because rarely is everything going to go exactly according to plan. But if you visualize and walk through, if this happens, here's how I'm going to respond. Here's what I'm going to do. You're not caught off guard. You're not deer in headlights. You say, okay, I, I walked through this in my head. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to do next. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's key. And you know, if the top military people in the world are doing it, then obviously there's something right about it. And it's something that all of us should try to implement to a certain extent, at least. So uh, Jake, I want to kind of get down to the last question, but before I do, I just want to acknowledge you, man. I think it's so cool to hear from your story about getting into kind of the, the sports agency world and realizing that it wasn't your thing and then making a pivot. Because I think a lot of us do run into that situation that you ran into, but we don't have the confidence in ourselves to make that pivot and to be willing to not settle and, and be willing to kind of go out on a limb. I think that's just very rare and something that a lot of people need to hear because then it, you know, maybe gives them the permission to not settle and go out on a limb and, and kind of take a risk on themselves too. Because if you can take a risk on yourself in 2008 and still find a way to make crap happen, then other people can do it as well. And in, in today's day and age, when everybody's hiring, when nobody was hiring back then. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you're listening, you need permission. We've both just given it to you. Let's go. Well, everybody's going to want to go learn more and, and everything about you. Like I've already said, y'all compete every is where you can find his website and the podcast compete every day. You can find uh, Jake and compete every day on Instagram at Jake Thompson speaks and at compete every day. If you guys are watching on YouTube, he does have a shirt uh, that says compete on. You can grab some apparel as well. Uh, but is there any other good place that uh, people should go learn more and, and follow you? Dude, that, that's it. We try to keep it easy, put, keep everything at the hub of competeeveryday.com. And if you're listening here on the show, shoot us a DM, say hi. We'd love to connect. And, and if you are making that leap, if you're looking for permission, I'll give it to you again or answer any questions from stuff we've talked about today. Boom, boom. Well, you shared some great stuff today. But uh, last thing here is I think that in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, it's both a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think we ever get to that best version of ourselves. And I think the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So the last question is for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or currently work on in order to get closer to the best version of yourself, in order to get closer to the best version of Jake Thompson that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or currently work on? Ooh, currently three, I would say focus is always going to be something that's in it for me because of my ADHD. And so I'm super intentional and always looking for ways to improve that. If 
I'm also going to reach full potential, it's continuing work on vulnerability. How can I better be open and connect with people, share my faults, share my fears? And then the third that I don't think ever goes away is learning to love more and more discomfort. I think once you get to a level, you become comfortable with that level. And so it's that constant game of pushing yourself just a little bit, taking on challenges from a career physical standpoint that you may fail at, but that's okay because you're going to learn and grow in the process. And just like you said, you're going to get a little bit closer to who you can be. I love it. I love it. Give us one more sentence or two motivationally on, I actually posted on Instagram, I think yesterday, that discomfort is the precursor for growth. So don't shy away from it. Embrace it. Give us one Give us one quick sentence motivationally about how if somebody is uncomfortable right now, how it's actually good for them, not bad. Yeah. One sentence. Let's think on here. Working out is voluntarily struggling and being uncomfortable to get stronger and healthier. Life works the same way. The more you can voluntarily put yourself in situations that you can struggle, that you're not comfortable in, the better you're going to grow into your full version. And at the end of it all, you're never going to regret the growth opportunities you took advantage of. You're always going to regret the ones you ran away from. Boom, baby. That was awesome. That was awesome. Well, y'all make sure you go follow Jake on Instagram at Jake Thompson Speaks. Make sure you go get a Compete t-shirt at Compete Every Day. Dot com. That was awesome, Jake. Really appreciate the time today, man. Dude, thanks for having me. Enjoy jamming with you. Compete every day. I absolutely love that message. To me, that's just all about showing up and showing out. And something that he said in the beginning of the episode was compete like it's you versus you. Compete to be the best you've ever been and worst you'll ever be. If y'all enjoyed today's episode, be sure you leave it a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app or on Spotify. And be sure to send this to a friend or family member as well. And remember to consistently reflect. Reflect on where you are and where you want to go so that you're not running a thousand miles per hour in the wrong direction. And remember, regret does not come from failing. Regret comes from not doing something because of the fear of failure. I hope you enjoyed the episode with Jake, but for now, it's time. It's time to go out there and compete every day. It's time to go up there and show up and show out and continue working to get closer and closer to your best. Best.